Everybody doing all right today? You look good, 10 o'clock, you look real good. Uh, if you did not get a copy of the sermon notes when you walked in, we have uh, amazing helpers walking around right now. Just get their attention, and they will get those for you. I love to get to hear those hope stories every week. Just more and more, you know, Hope City Church, we exist to share real hope so that people can have real life and We believe that there is no life like following Jesus, like committing your life to Jesus Christ, that Jesus said that I want people to have life to the full, and that's our our hope too. And so I love to hear those hope stories and and just see what God's doing in the lives of, uh, of people, and it's awesome. We're in the fourth week of a series called I Don't Wanna Be That Person Anymore, and We've been talking about how we can be the person that God wants us to be and how we can be less of the person that we used to be. How many people in the room are glad you're not the person that you used to be? Come on, let me see your hand. Yeah. And uh, that's that old part of us. And we're not everything that we want to be yet, but we're not who we used to be. And that's, that's good news. And so this series is just all how we can be that, that new person. And last week... We talked about the difference between religion and relationship, that as long as you're trying to be good so that God will approve of you, you're missing the point because God wants a relationship with you. And whether we say it out loud or not, there is this childhood religious thinking that gets ingrained in us. Whether we're raised in church or not, whether we go to Christian school or not, whether our parents were Christians or not, there is this religious thinking that, 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 that believes that if we're bad, God treats us bad. And if we're good, then God treats us good. And so we desperately want to earn God's approval. But really throughout this whole series, what I've been trying to say to you, and hopefully you've been grasping, is that you already have it, that God loves you. And that it's not about more rules and it's not about a rule book. It's not about religion, but it's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That we are not saved because of what we do or what we don't do. We're saved because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And one of the statements that we said last week is that religion is being good so God will love you. That's a a basic ground floor definition of religion. Religion is being good so God will love you. Relationship is acting like someone who knows God loves you. Do you see the difference? Religion is being good, so God will love you. Relationship is acting like someone who knows that God loves you. And there is a huge difference. God so badly wants you to become the new person that he has created you to be, that his desire and his will is to keep pushing you and nudging you and calling you and drawing you Uh, into that new person, but you will never, please hear me, you will never truly change. A lot of you in here, and and we hear the hope stories, and a lot of you would tell me, like, I just want to change, I want to change, I want to change. Hear me, you will never truly change as long as you're doing it motivated by fear, guilt, shame, God's approval. It won't happen. You will change when you fall in love with Jesus. You will. Love changes people, and that's what, uh, that's what happens when we fall in love with Jesus. So um, 
the religious part of us, and I say this because it's me. I said last week I hate it, not because of those people. I hate it because it's in me. Every morning when I wake up and look in the mirror, I see religion and I hate it. It disgusts me. But I think for any of us in the room who really kind of struggle with this idea of religion and rules and all that stuff, um, that, that part of us, we don't really have that big of a problem with the idea that God loves everyone. Like, you would be hard-pressed to find someone who would admit today, like, no, God doesn't love everyone. Even the most religious among us would say, well, yeah, God loves everyone. God is love. God, that sounds like a very God-like thing. God is love. So, so, I mean, there may be a few, like, weirdo jerks out there who says that God doesn't love everybody. But most people I know would say, yeah, God loves everybody. We don't even have that big of a problem with the idea that God saves everyone. Like, you would be pretty hard-pressed to find somebody out there who, who, who would who would say God is not willing to save everyone. So, so all of us can kind of agree with that concept. But that religious part of our hearts that can't let go of the idea that after God's love and after God's salvation, it's up to us to stay saved. Or maybe, maybe the best way to put it is that it's up to us to be good enough to not get kicked off the team. That, that idea is deep inside of our hearts, and it always leads to interesting, an interesting debate, doesn't it? Because where's the line? Like, if you want to get into that debate about, yeah, God loves everybody, God saves everybody, but then after you're saved, you can't mess it up, it leads down this path of debate where, like, where's the line? When are you out? When are you in? You ever had this conversation with anybody? As a youth pastor growing up, anytime you did Q&A with teenagers, that was always the question. You know, what can I do? What can I get away with, right? So I could technically still go to heaven, right? That was always the question. And, it, and when you really start going down that road, it kind of identifies the silliness of religion. Because when are you in and when are you out? It's always different based on whose rule book you're reading. Like, does lying cause you to lose your spot? If you lie, if you're a Christian who lies, like, are you out? Let's hope not, Right? What about jealousy, greed, gossip? A lot of those internal feelings we don't really highlight in the church that much because, you know, we all deal with it, so we take it out of our rule book. What about lust or adultery? Oh, they're definitely out, right? I mean, lying's in, lust is out, murder. I mean, dude, come on, Jason, we've got to draw the line somewhere. I mean, if you kill somebody, you're out, right? Where is the line? And so even as I'm saying this, some of you are like, well, I know where the line is. I could explain it to you very clearly where the line is. Like, it, it's all kind of based on interpretation and rules and, and what your rule book says and what your parents did, because my parents had different rules than your parents, because in my house, Christians didn't watch The Simpsons. Anybody, come on. Anybody, Christians don't watch The Simpsons. I mean, that's just, you might as well just worship the devil, like, if you watch The Simpsons. Or Wonder Years, come on, don't raise your hand, but I mean, no way, he was sleeping with his girlfriend. We do not watch that, Okay. I got a DC Talk album, which most of y'all don't even know who that is, but I got a DC Talk album on the Free at Last album, and there was a song on that album, Kids Cover Your Ears, called I Don't Want That Sex, and it was a song about abstinence, but because it said the word sex, I wasn't allowed to listen to it, even though it was a song about abstinence, so my dad made me make a, a, a mixtape of the CD without that song. Anybody have parents like that? Come on, my dad's listening to this podcast right now. I love you, Dad. But why was I not allowed to listen to a song about absence? I don't know, because there was a line somewhere. I don't know. There was a line somewhere. 
And it's ridiculous for us to sit here and to try to figure out what mistakes are the deal breakers and what sins are insignificant, but that's what religion does. That's what religion does. It forces all of us to be judgmental and hypocritical at the same time. That is religion. When you embrace religion, you will be judgmental and hypocritical at the same time. So here's what I wanted to do. We don't normally do this. We normally kind of just give a week to a topic, and then we kind of move on to the next week. But, but I knew pretty quickly after last week's message that I needed to come back and just continue this conversation about the difference between religion and, uh, and relationship. And I wanted to continue the conversation because I think there is this question that needs to be answered. It needs to be answered. And, and some of you even brought it up last week after the message. Like you just kind of had some questions. Oh, what about this? And what, what about this? And, and the question can be asked in a lot of different ways. Uh, but the gist, the gist of the question, the big idea of the question is this. If what I do doesn't save me and what I do doesn't unsave me, I just made up that word, then why does it matter what I do? I think that's a valid question for those of us who follow Jesus to try to answer. If what I do doesn't save me, and everybody in the room, hopefully you agree with that. We've talked about that at length during this series. We are saved by faith, by grace, through Jesus, at our worst. You, you, you do not save yourself. We all, I think we all agree with that. And if what I do doesn't unsave me, because God loves me, he, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If what I do doesn't unsave me, then why does it matter what I do? And this is such an important question because it gets to the heart of the motivation for serving Jesus. Have you ever asked yourself why you follow Jesus? If you try to answer this question, you're going to quickly get to the motivation and this is actually a pretty common question, not only in the church, but also in our culture. And our culture asks this question a little bit differently. They ask it like this. Can I be a Christian and fill in the blank? That's the way the culture asks the question. Maybe you've asked yourself that question. Can I be a Christian and just start listing things, fill in the blank, right? Maybe you've asked this before. Can I be a Christian and smoke weed? Some of you guys are like, please say yes, please say yes. <laughs> Can I be a Christian and have sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend? Can I be a Christian and be gay? Can I be a Christian and be a Democrat? We're in Louisville, that's not a big deal, but I grew up in Georgia, like no Democrats. Like you just, Jesus, you could not be a Christian and be a Democrat. It's just a huge deal, like you couldn't do that. <clears throat> so you had to lie about who you voted for and everything. So anyway, um, no matter how we ask it, okay, we all want to know where the line is. Everybody wants to know where the line is. And if there is no line, so Jason, where's the line in the sand? Valid question. But if there is no line, then does that mean that we can do whatever we want to do? Because I, I want to be a new person in Christ. I don't want to be the old person. But if you're telling me it doesn't matter if I act like the old person, I kind of like the old person and I've kind of lost my motivation if God's not going to be mad at me, if I don't have to feel guilt, if I don't have to feel shame, if I don't have to feel fear, if my car's not going to break down, if I'm not going to get cancer because I cuss, I kind of like cussing. So like, why? What is my motivation? Why does it matter what I do? That's a valid question. And, and, and the question of why do you, uh, why do, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> my phone just buzzed. Uh, so, so it's a valid question, but it's the wrong question. If you ask yourself, can I be a Christian and fill in the blank? It's a valid question, but it's the wrong 
question. It's a religious question. The right question is, why do you want to be a Christian and fill in the blank? So culture, and we would maybe ask the question, can I be a Christian and fill in the blank? The right question is, why do I want to be a Christian and fill in the blank? And that's what we're going to answer today for the next few minutes together. And we're going to read some Bible verses from the book of Romans, where we've really been hanging out uh, throughout this whole series. Uh, Romans is a beautiful book. It's also a very complex book. And and I've really enjoyed these last four weeks just kind of diving in and explaining some of this. Um, And uh, the guy who wrote the verses that we're going to read today, his name was the Apostle Paul. And he's going to show us why... Can I be a Christian and fill in the blank is the wrong question, okay? It's in Romans chapter 6. If you have a Bible or it's on your phone, follow along with us. It's not. If not, it's going to be up on the, uh, the screen for you. Uh, and, and I love when the Bible answers a specific question that I have. You know, sometimes the Bible can be, can be vague. Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Like, It can be kind of vague, but there are other times when you have a question and the Bible specifically answers that question, and that's going to happen today, and I love when that happens uh, in the Bible, okay? The Bible, Apostle Paul is going to answer the question, why does it matter what I do, and if it doesn't matter, can I do whatever I want to do? He's going to answer that question in verse 15 of chapter 6. This is what he says. He says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, and by law he just means following the rules. Since God's grace has set us free from following the rules, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Stop for a second. This is the question. This is what we just said. Now, Paul said it a little more fancy than me because he's a little fancier than me, but this is, this is the question. If, God has, if God's grace has set us free from the rules, then I can break the rules, right? That's the question. If God never stops loving me, if God's not going to unsave me, if it's not based on my score of good and bad, then I can do whatever I want. And Paul is like, of course not. Of course not. And he puts an exclamation point on it. Like he's passionate about it. He's passionate about explaining why this is not the logical next step. Okay? So skip down a few verses to verse 19. And we're going to start reading. We're going to read 19 all the way to 23. You can read along with us. It'll be up on on the screen. Okay? He says, Paul says, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Real quick, let's just stop. Paul starts by saying, I need an analogy that is unmistakable. Okay? Something that everyone understands. And and so I know, I just want you to know personally for me, I know slavery can be an emotional topic. And so did Paul. He's counting on it. He wants this illustration to cut to your core. And that's why he's using such uh, an emotionally vulnerable illustration, analogy, metaphor, whatever you want to call it. I'm married to an English teacher, but I still don't know the difference between an analogy and a metaphor. So whatever, it's one of those. Okay. He wants you to know. So let's keep reading. He says, Paul says, previously, You let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? Valid question. You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. 
things that in the end, end uh, things that end, excuse me, in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do these things that uh, lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, they have whole college classes that span semesters that are going to explain to you the verses we just read. I'm going to do it in 14 minutes and 18 seconds, okay? So there are probably going to be some more questions, but this at its core, Romans 6, 19 through 23, is the answer to why it matters how we live as Christians, okay? And so what I want to do is I'm going to explain to you Romans chapter 6, verses 19 to 23, really through three statements. Let's break it down to its core at its basic level and if you have notes that, that handed you or you got just a second ago, go ahead and pull those out because I felt like this was important enough today to give you some notes to follow along with um, to, to help us understand why it matters how we live. Why it matters how we live. We are saved by grace in Jesus through faith. What we do doesn't save us. What we do doesn't unsave us. Okay, Jason, then why does it matter what I do? Great question. And Paul tells us three reasons why it matters, how we live, and why can't I be a Christian and fill in the blank is the wrong questions. Here we go. Ready? Number one, here's the first reason why it matters, how we live. Because sin's power is stronger than our willpower. Because sin's power is stronger than our willpower. Have you ever had someone try to scare you into doing the right thing by giving you the most extreme worst case scenario in life, right? Um, there was actually a year or two ago, it may have been more than that, but I think it was about two years ago, DirecTV actually put out a commercial, a bunch of commercials about why you need DirecTV instead of cable. I thought it was hilarious. If you'll just give me 30 seconds, I brought one I wanted to show you because I think it's just the perfect illustration of what Paul's about to tell us here. So why don't you go ahead and roll that? Growing up with religion, that's kind of what it felt like for why you shouldn't sin. Like, Jason, if you sleep with your girlfriend, she will get pregnant. You will both have to drop out of school. You'll work minimum wage jobs. You'll never amount to anything. I mean, like, it was just this whole explanation all based out of fear. All based out of fear. You need to be afraid because bad things are going to happen. And the core of that message is not necessarily wrong, but so often maybe the delivery of it is. And so Paul is, is saying to us that, that sin's power is greater than our willpower. The problem of trying to scare you is that if the human race, the species, has proved anything over the history of the world, we are not motivated by long-term consequences. We're just not. We know if we smoke our whole lives, we're probably going to get cancer. We keep smoking. We know if we keep spending more than we have, we're going to have enormous debt. We keep spending. We know if we keep eating donuts, we're going to get fat. We keep eating donuts. 
Because as a human race, we're not motivated by long-term consequences, okay? We have this amazing ability to convince ourselves that we will have the discipline to not let things go too far, don't we? That's the way that it works. Anybody like me uh, ever been like on a diet, doing good, you know, healthy living, healthy eating, healthy exercise? You've been doing good, but then over the weekend, you're at a friend's house, you're at an event or something, and there's pizza there, and you're like, ah, I really don't want to eat it. You know what? I'll just eat a couple slices, but it'll be okay because Monday we'll jump back in. I'll be all in. Anybody ever been there? What happens on Monday? More pizza, Okay. Hardy's biscuits. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I'm just saying, like, that's where the devil lives is Hardy's biscuits. And, and, so, and, and so, like, we're convinced, like, if I'll, I'll just do this now, and Monday I'll go back to doing what I'm supposed to do. And it never works. <laughs> it never works. So this is what Paul's trying to explain to us. Look at what he says in verse 19, Okay. He says, previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. And what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things you used to do. It's a really interesting phrase that he uses there, ever deeper. You see it? He says, which led ever deeper into sin. He's saying something that we all know is true, even if we don't want to admit it to ourselves. Our spiritual life is never standing still. You are either growing deeper in your relationship with Jesus or you are growing deeper into sin. But you are never in neutral. You're never standing still, right? And Paul is saying, don't be so stupid to think that you can, you know, uh, do whatever in the same place at the same pace forever because you don't. You do not do the same things in the same places at the same pace. Let me ask you a question. Can you think of something, a bad habit, an unwise choice, maybe just a preference that you have that you do less now than you did five years ago? I would be willing to bet if you love coffee, you drink more coffee today than you did five years ago. I'd be willing to bet that if you had debt five years ago, you got more debt than you had five years ago. I'd be willing to bet that if you smoke weed, if you like smoking weed, you smoke more weed today than you did five years ago. I'd be willing to bet if you were like hurt and, and holding a grudge and bitter, I'd be willing to bet you are more bitter and holding more unforgiveness today than you were five years ago. If you were a liar five years ago, I'd be willing to bet you've told more lies, you tell more lies now than you did five years ago, right? But it's not, like, I'm not trying to just talk about habits and addictions. I'm talking about everything in our life that unless we make a conscious decision to turn from something that we do, we will be taken by the current and go ever deeper into whatever that thing is. It doesn't have to be sin. Like if you fall in love with fishing, you fish more than you did five years ago. You play more golf than you did five years ago. You go to more concerts, like whatever it is, when you find something that appeases you, unless you just have to stop or you choose to stop, you do it more than you did when you started. That's ever deeper. And that's what Paul is saying, right? Sin ever deepens unless you change directions on purpose. And what's interesting is when you, when, when you decide that you're going to stop, you find out how deep you're in, right? You find out what you're addicted to when you decide you want to stop. And there again, please say, I'm not just talking about drugs, sex, and rock and roll. 
I'm talking about anything in your life. You, you realize how addicted you are to needing drama. You realize how addicted you are to needing, uh, holding on to a grudge or whatever it is. Like you, you realize how addicted you are. And so that's what Paul means when he says slave. That, that you wake up one day and you decide, you know what? I'm not gonna be that person anymore. I'm not gonna do that anymore. You never realized how deep you were in and now you wanna get out, but you can't seem to get out. And Paul says it's because you're a slave to it. You're a slave to it. It's your boss. It's in charge. It dictates the terms. Being saved is not just about heaven. It's also about freedom. And can I be a Christian and fill in the blank is the wrong question because you're assuming that it won't ever deepen and it always ever deepens. So you eventually find yourself a slave to something you are ashamed of. Remember, Paul just asked the question, and what was the result? You, you did things that you are now ashamed of. I think all of us in the room could pass around the mic and say, well, let me tell you some things I'm ashamed of. Why? Because it ever deepened. It ever deepened because you didn't realize you were in deep. So the first thing Paul wants you to know is that how you live matters because if you want to do old things, it's not going to end well. Does that make sense to everybody? That's why it matters. It doesn't matter what you do today, it matters what you're going to do five and 10 and 20 years from now because it will ever deepen and you'll wake up and be a slave to something. Here we go, number two. Why does it matter? If, 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 what I do doesn't, if what I do doesn't save me, if what I do doesn't unsave me, why does it matter what I do? Paul gives us a second reason. Because what you, did, what you do determines how you feel. What you do determines how you feel. Look again at verse 19. He says, now you must give yourself to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. We usually think of it backwards. We think that we become holy and then we live right. But according to Paul, it's the opposite. That living right develops our holiness. That's just a really fancy Bible way of saying this. It's almost impossible for you to get closer to God while doing the wrong things. That's just a fancy way. That's what holiness and, and righteousness and all those fancy Bible words, that's, that's what it means. That it's almost impossible for you to get closer to God while doing the wrong things. Hear me, not because God pushes you away, so you decide to do whatever things we've been talking about and you think I'm not closer to God because God has pushed me away. God never pushes you away. Your desires have pushed you away because you don't feel like being close to God. Why would you feel like being close to God? You are a slave to the old things, right? Your desires push you away. The more you sin, the less you wanna be in a relationship with God. So you say, man, God just feels so distant. God just feels so far away. It just doesn't feel like what it used to feel like anymore. Well, part of the reason of that is because you are not feeding yourself the things or doing the type of things that create the desire to want those things. You are feeding yourself and doing the things that are giving you the desire that push you away from God. Can I give you another health, uh, health example? Or just another kind of dieting example? You're either going to start eating better or stop exercising. But you will not do both for a really long time because the heartburn gets old, right? Like you will eat, if you keep eating Doritos, you're gonna stop running on the treadmill. I can just promise you, like that's the way it's going to work because one feeds the other. 
But it's, a, it's amazing how if you're doing well in one area, you are really motivated to do well in another area. But anybody like me, like you were really motivated, but then you started eating pizza and you're like, I don't really want to go to the gym today. Why? Because what you do determines how you feel. But if you eat that broccoli stick or whatever, <laughs> does that come in stick? I don't Can you tell that I don't eat a lot of broccoli? You're like, you know what? I haven't had a lot of calories today. I'm going to go run five miles or I'm going to go do whatever. Why? Because what you do determines how you feel. If sin were just about actions, then it would be possible to not break the commandments, right? You, you could, a telltale sign of religion is that someone thinks they're saved because of what they don't do. You say, well, I, I don't break the commandments. You could say, well, I never killed anybody. I mean, I didn't break the commandment, don't murder. I've never killed anybody, or I've never stole anything. I'm not a thief, but Jesus knew that religion would convince us that the outside is more important than the inside of us. So he showed up and he said, you have heard it said, don't murder. I say, don't be angry with your brother or your sister. Because it's the same thing. Legally, it's not the same thing, right? Right? But spiritually, it's the same thing because it comes from the same place. The desire comes from the same place. So when someone cuts you off in traffic and you get angry and you cuss at them and you flip them off, why do you do that? What is happening on the inside of you that makes you believe that you will feel better if you release rage? And when you answer that question, you will understand why someone murders somebody because it comes from the same place. So I would never murder somebody. Well, sin ever deepens. I don't think you would, but I'm saying the motivation that you have to, to lose your head, cuss, flip off somebody, and yell at them is the same motivation that a murderer has. And so Jesus shows up and says, just because you haven't done the thing that the Ten Commandments said don't do, don't somehow think that like you don't need Jesus because you have a place in your heart just as dark as they do, and it reveals itself in other ways. Does that make sense to everybody? Your actions are just the evidence of what you want. Your actions are the evidence of what you want, okay? So while we focus on sin in terms of don't do this and don't do that, that's not necessarily the problem. The bigger problem is why do you want to? That's the bigger problem. The question is not can I be a Christian and fill in the blank. The right question is why do you want to be a Christian and fill in the blank. Of course you're going to be tempted to sin throughout your life, regularly. But if you're being tempted by the same things at the same intensity, in the same regularity, there may be a problem because your relationship with Jesus is not pushing you away from the desires to do what you were convinced would not satisfy you, would not make you happy. That's why you accepted Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to everybody? You're going to be tempted the rest of your life. But five years from today, you should not be tempted by the same thing at the same speed with the same regularity. Because as you fall in love with Jesus and you do the right things, your desires will begin to change. Okay? It's not, can I be a Christian and fill in the blank? It's, why do you want to do that thing? 
all the time, uh, and I've, I've, I've been highlighting smoking weed. I don't know why I highlighted that today, but, but that's the question I get asked by teenagers all the time. Hey, listen, I got a question for you. You're a pastor? Yeah, pastor, I got a question for you. Uh, can I smoke weed? Like, that's the question I get all the time. And my answer to that question is always the same. Why do you want to smoke weed? Let's, let's start with the motivation, and then we'll get to whether or not you should do it. Why do you want to smoke weed? I hate to sound like a drug counselor, but let's just start with the motivation. Why do you want to? And then we'll work through that. You know, what, why do you feel like you need to get high? What are you needing to disconnect from? Why do you think that getting high is more fun than not being high? Like, what kind of things do you think are fun? Like, let's start working through that. And what we're eventually going to get to is what it is that you are dissatisfied with. Why do you think you can't forgive that person? So can you be a Christian and not forgive the dad who walked out on you? Absolutely. What makes you a Christian is not what you do or what you don't do. But why will you not let it go? What's the motivation? Why do you believe that you cannot be satisfied if you let go of what they did to you? That, that is the motivation. Why is much more important than what you do. Can I be a Christian and do whatever? Like start listing those things. Why do you believe that those things are better than Jesus? Why do you believe that those things will satisfy you more than a relationship with Jesus? That's your problem. Your problem is not what it is you want to do. The problem is you don't believe Jesus is better than what it is you're wanting to do, which leads us to number three. Are you ready? Number three, why does it matter? Because everything but Jesus eventually will disappoint you. Everything but Jesus will eventually disappoint you. This is probably the most important reason that can I be a Christian fill in the blank is the wrong question. Because at its core, it's an admission that I need Jesus plus something else to satisfy me. You're saying I'm saved, but I'm not satisfied. I'm saved, but I'm not satisfied. Look at how Paul ended the verses we read. This is in verse 23, chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Can we just stop for a second? Like, if we truly believed that, we would stay away from it with everything in our being. If I, if I literally said to you, if you touch that, you will die. Unless you are my three-year-old son, you would not touch it. Right? Like, if you genuinely believed that it would kill you, you wouldn't touch it. The problem is we've seen so many people enjoy sin for extended seasons that we don't actually truly believe that it will, that it will end in death. And not just physical death. Paul's talking about like the death of the soul. It may end in physical death, but the death of the soul. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul wraps up these verses and he says that the thing that you think will make you feel alive will lead to death. But God's way equals life. The thing that you think will make you feel alive is going to kill you. Not physically necessarily, but you will wake up one day and it will have ever deepened, and all of your desires will have changed because of the things that you've been doing, and your soul will be dead. 
But there's another way. He says, God's way equals life. And the devil has convinced us that following Jesus is restrictive. It's lame. You don't get to do what you want to do. We're missing out on really living because God gives us a list of things that we can't do. We can't shake the thought that we could blank and we would feel alive. So what is the question today? Here's the question. What is the thing that you're not completely convinced you can live without? What is the thing that you're not completely convinced you could live without? And I'm not just talking about addictions to substances. I'm talking about anything in your life that you have put all of your hopes and your dreams on other than Jesus. It could be a career. It could be your children. It could be your physical appearance. It could be holding on to a grudge. It could be forgiveness. It could be an addiction, weed, alcohol, whatever. It could be a homosexual lifestyle. You say, God, I can't believe God would want me to be abstinent for the rest of my life. What we're saying is, we're saying sex is better than Jesus. That's what we're saying when we say that. Heterosexually, you're, I, I, if I can't have sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend, that's awful. I would never do that. What we're saying is, We're not saying that Jesus is mad at you. No, we're saying that sin ever deepens. What you do determines how you feel, and you wake up, and you're dead inside. All because you wanted to do what you wanted to do since it didn't matter. So what's the thing you're completely convinced you can't live without? When we're looking for permission to be a Christian and blank, What we're saying is Jesus is great, but he's not better than fill in the blank. So listen, throughout these verses, we're gonna wrap this up. Paul has used this analogy of slavery and he's used it on purpose because he wants us to understand the lunacy of what we're asking. It would be like a slave being given his freedom, but deciding to go back to his owner and asking, can I be enslaved to you? And everyone who knew the man would ask him, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Why would you not want to be free? You've been given your freedom. And the guy would say back to them, no, 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 you don't understand. I am free. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm choosing to be there. I don't have to be there. I'm free. I just want to be here because it's all I've ever known. I just want to be here because I I don't know what to do anywhere else. And then we would say to the man, what's the point of having freedom if you want to act like a slave? And that's why Paul, when someone would say, so you're telling me that God's grace is like all good so I can do whatever I want. And Paul's like, Of course not. Why would you want to act like a slave when you've been given freedom? So if what we do doesn't save us and what we do doesn't unsave us, why does it matter what we do? Because the old way makes you a slave to selfishness, lust, bitterness, pride, worry, materialism, fear. But God's way of life equals freedom. Why would we want to be a slave when we could be free? Let's pray.